With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ah! <laughs> yeah! He won! But he did it! <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> yes! Daniel Ricciardo wins for McLaren for the first time since 2012. Lando Norris is slightly out of the bin and in second position. And Zach Brown and Andreas Seidel revive the glory of McLaren. I get teary hearing that radio message every time today. Hello there. My name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Italian Grand Prix and celebrate in style. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, the equally excited Thomas J. Camp and Tommy T. He bloody yes. did it, boys! Yeah, daddy. He did. He did. I'll tell you what, James, this is the podcast, and Tommy, this is the podcast we've been waiting to do since we started it. We haven't had oh, a Danny Rick win right. three years. That's we started it. in 2019 when he went to Red Island. and it's been slim pickings from there, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> this is the one that we've been waiting for. Oh, I tell you what, and apologies to your ears if I completely blew them out just then, but it has been it has been a day. I have not taken this Ricardo shirt off since about five o'clock this morning when I was awake. And uh, look, you're just lucky probably that you're not in the same studio as me, boys. But look, a massive, massive, massive night. Uh, if you didn't watch it live, well, I'm just sorry because it was bloody epic. The the vibe on our Discord server is something that I have never experienced before when Max and Lewis crashed, and of course we'll talk about that. I literally was mashed mm. to the keypad and sent <laughs> as much as we could because that was the moment that I knew that, that victory was there for Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, lads, it uh, just genuinely, I am I am in awe of, of this feeling and shout out to everyone across the world who believed in Daniel. Uh, and if you didn't believe in Daniel, as I said to you in the pre-drinks podcast, put yourself in the bin, set it on fire. I'm not interested. Don't even bother jumping back on the train. You don't deserve it. Nah, the train is too off. good for you. Yep. Uh, well, lads, let's, let's add a little bit of housekeeping up the top before we get too <sighs> far into it. Uh, look, a massive shout out to you if you're watching on our YouTube live stream. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're now doing this for all of our podcasts as we record it. So you get to watch the raw uh, edits of, of what we do. It's great to have your company if you're chatting along in the live stream as well. A massive shout out, of course, to our Discord server. As I mentioned before, absolute legends. legends. Every single one of you. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is incredible, incredible stuff to be chatting with you in that space. The three of us really, really love it. And I know many of you do as well. Uh, and we have a couple of reviews to read through. Uh, I won't read all of them out, but I just wanted to say a massive shout out to uh, FL91. He says, mixed metaphor, magic and Daniel Ricardo. He's from Australia. <laughs> uh, I love this. I'll read this one out. Five stars. If you like mixed metaphors, silly similes, belligerent breathing, fictitious forecast, <laughs> scintillating speculation and doting on Daniel. This podcast is for you like it is for me. 
genuinely one of the best <laughs> written reviews of all time. A uh, shout out it. to American Rob as well. Not your typical F1 podcast. And that is a good thing. He's obviously from the US. Wise Angus says, finally, five stars. Love this podcast, which makes a nice change from the dribble from Sky Sports presenters. You'll hear about all the F1 drivers from an unbiased and hilarious point of view. Great job, guys. Look forward to Tuesday mornings. Greetings from Sweden. Ruby Diamond from Sweden. Not the BBC F1 broadcast, Dolphy D from Australia. Finally, a relatively unbiased, humorous, engaging look into F1. Johnny B. Good from Australia and the perfect balance from Chili's underscore in Australia. Look, many, many, many thanks to all of you for taking the time. Uh, you can check them out if you're in Australia and read the reviews on the Apple Podcasts site. Uh, Campy. I mean, your, your belligerent breezing is certainly becoming a cult thing. I think we're going to be the formerly unbiased podcast soon enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're not wrong. Uh, but, lads, as I said to everyone listening, massive, massive thank you to you. It genuinely makes makes this all worthwhile. Uh, look, let's start with the beginning, shall we? Uh, the National Anthem. Let's start there, Campy. Uh, talk to me about your, your thoughts. Hey, everything was good this weekend. Nothing sucked about this weekend. <laughs> was the anthem that good? I liked it. We had a live little, uh, what was it, about a 30-piece little uh, symphony, yep. mini orchestra. Yep. Sounded great. I loved everything about this weekend, so we're not being <laughs> cynical, we're not being critical. Ten out of ten for me. What did you think, And we heard Tommy it twice T? too. We heard yes, it twice. Yes, we did. We did. Yeah, and and we'll the fly pass nailed their timing, which is not an easy feat. I'm sure you're aware, James. I'm giving them ten out of ten because they nailed it's it this weekend. It's Oscar yes. Piastri also taking the yeah. win as well. We heard the Australian national anthem twice in Monza. Surely the Huge. first time ever, Pete in uh, F2 a, a victory there, and in F1 a victory. For Australians, oh, just I'm still overwhelmed and clearly buzzing a lot. Uh, fly pass, as I said, 10 out of 10. We have to talk, of course, uh, Campy, about Oscar Piastri because he, in his own right, did amazing things with this weekend. Oh, yeah, he got he, uh, he got pole position uh, on Friday and qualified uh, on on the front row for the feature race. So that meant he started 10th in, the, uh, in sprint race one. And he, he, he had a few issues. He gained some positions, but he just made a few mistakes. Not big mistakes, and they didn't cost him, but they just cost him a couple of positions in both uh, in both sprint races, one and two. But um, he still got points. I think he beat Guangzhou in uh, one in the second race, but the first race, Joe got some a couple of points on him. But the feature race, he was oh. magnificent. He got it. Uh, he got the start. Now the start came out in turn uh, in P one. He was pressured for a bit. Um, they did try and pass him once. I can't remember who, but he was just composed and just maintained oh. his race. Uh, sure. The team picked. The team uh, navigated the pit stop. Perfectly, mm. uh, he he pitted and he came out and about in six and then got in front of a couple of guys that he needed to pretty quickly and and uh, I believe there's a safety car and that bunched the field up again and uh, he he just went on was controlled was it yep. lightning quick did he did he race away like we thought we would no but he still won by that three to four seconds and before the safety car came out he was sort of he pulled out that four to five second lap again so great composure good for him I think he's 15 points ahead in the championship now I think there's four rounds to go so we'll be watching very closely what happens there but a uh, great week for Aussies in uh, particularly oh. single seater racing over in yeah. Europe at the moment bring oh. it on boys <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tommy T did you get an opportunity to watch any of the F2 and Oscar this weekend I did o Oscar was outstanding I watched the whole race it was 
the perfect kind of primer for what we didn't know at the time. Like it just started off the night perfectly. I don't think you could have scripted it better than that. But as Camby said, he was spot on from the very start. He just looked so composed. He was he was never in a rush to kind of make his way and he was very efficient making his way through kind of back markers and people who hadn't pitted yet. Oscar was just outstanding. I think for someone that young and inexperienced as a driver, he's already – like miles ahead of half of the people who've been in F2 for three years. So yep. bright future for that kid. Yeah, and look, let's hope it all plays out very well for him. I mean, if he keeps driving like this, then our theory about him potentially staying in Formula 2 being a good idea for him next year will be out of his control because he's going to keep <laughs> bloody winning and it's getting too points. Good. And you know what? He should. He should dominate F3 for a year. He should dominate F2 for a year. And look, something might happen that means he's in F1 next year. We just don't know. Uh, of course, that's that's to talk about later on when Alfa Romeo finally make their mind up. Uh, Tommy T, what we haven't done for a while is <laughs> ask you your thoughts. I'm going to bring this oh. back from the Oz F1 days. What are your thoughts of the television broadcast for this weekend? <laughs> Two particular broadcasters that I think should just bugger off and not be allowed back on. And that's Uncle Johnny and bloody Damon Hill. They can both piss off with their bias. I think actually uh, Paul DeResta was outstanding this weekend. Mm. He's, um, his analysis was great and he was very neutral, which is something different for Sky. But He's Scottish, remember? He doesn't like the Brits too much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I don't he was know. Scottish when he was racing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was very tough um, to see an Aussie doing so well, but yet all we did was talk about the British drivers, which is insanely frustrating. Sometimes we were like, "Why aren't we watching Daniel? Why are we watching?" I don't know. And and we we posted a meme about it, as I'm sure you guys saw uh, for the sprint race. Bloody Daniel ends up on the front row, and no one's talking about it. We're talking about the the battle for third and fourth with. Lewis, so, I don't know. It just frustrates us, and it's something that's not new. And we've been talking about it since we started this podcast. So, if we keep banging on about it, hopefully something will change, <laughs> <laughs> and we might get we might get the job, boys. We might be able to go over there. And oh, could hey, you we'll imagine? Crowd, we we'll wouldn't last on live rocks. television for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> it would be campy. And look, we actually spoke about this in the Discord server, and uh, Failing Jester brought up a good point. It's not necessarily the Sky stuff, right? Sky doing Sky no. things to British people, fine, whatever. It's on Fox Sports and ESPN and others who just pick up that feed and are too lazy to do their own broadcast. Yep. Uh, that's, we have to then suffer as a result. So what we need, and Campy, you actually mentioned this yesterday as well in our pre-drinks podcast, which you should go back and listen to if you haven't listened to this. Very correct predictions about the podium by me, can I just say. Um, <laughs> in so that Danny we Rick just need a really too. solid, really solid world feed with easy to listen to commentators. MotoGP does it very well. There's no reason why we can't do it uh, in Formula One as well too. And if you think about uh, F2 and F3, you've got Alex Brundle and Alex Jacques um, commentating that, and it's really, really good and very, very easy to listen to. So it's not necessarily we hate Sky. It's just from an Australian point of view, we're sick of hearing about English stuff. We want to have, you know, at least them acknowledging the fact that they, apart from saying that Perth is only about 27 minutes behind Sydney when it comes to uh, time zone differences, we'd like a little bit more acknowledgement, wouldn't we, lads? <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's move on from Moving that. On. Thanks for that, Tommy T. We will bring your... 
theme music back at one point for yeah. that as, as well. Uh, look, let's, let's, let's start talking about bloody McLaren, shall we? Because uh, heaps to talk about about Mercedes and Red Bull. Daniel Ricciardo first, led off the line from Max Verstappen, just got the best start I think I've ever seen him get. Those lights, though, Campy, were on for about 0.0001 of a second. It was yeah. one, two, three, four, five off. And Daniel was just like, See ya! And off he went. To, to it, jump Max is no mean feat. It wasn't so much his initial getaway. It was pretty comparable to Max's, but it was the second and third stage as he's moving up the gears on that start where he just had that traction down, oh. the, the torque, I mean, through the rear wheels, the power was getting through the drive shaft and into those wheels. Better than what the Red Bull was, and he just took off. Uh, he had the inside line into turn one, but it's not the racing line, so it's a bit less grip uh, than what you would normally have. But he just he did it. He did it in the feature race too. You know, he started yep. fourth and he jumped uh, jumped Lando and uh, got into you know got into third. And because of Valtteri Bottas's engine penalty, he he just nailed it everywhere he should have. So he was six one thousandths off uh, off. Of uh, Lando in qualifying, which is like for Danny's season thus far, is pretty respectable. Um, but he just did everything right, and he's st- oh. he's he's turned another page again. He's just consistently getting better and better and better every time he gets in that car. Whereas beforehand, earlier on in the year, when he was struggling, and by no means did we get off the train. We encouraged him every single week, and we knew this would happen. We predicted it would happen. We we're excited for him, but um. He just seems to be getting better and better every yep. time he gets in that car, and that's what you want to see: consistent growth. Whereas Lando, he's 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 stunting. He's he hasn't improved on what he's been doing since the start of the season, and he's you know he's reached a point and he can't push it. So anyway, yep. Tommy T, your thoughts on on Daniel's opening stages and and just sort of what yep. that meant for him setting it up. The biggest thing for me was this wasn't just one of those lucky Pierre Gasly <laughs> kind of style wins. He led the bloody race from the start. He was in control yep. and he it was through no kind of random acts of stuff. Like he was out the bloody front the whole time. Yep. The fact that Max fell away and Lewis and him had a crash later, nothing to do with Daniel. He was still Exactly. He was already in front. He was yes. dominating that race from the start. There was no kind of like – Mixed up circumstances, whereas, oh, you just happened to be in the right place at the right time. He bloody led the race from the first lap. The guy deserved it. It wasn't one of those freaky ones where you can kind of discount it. And that was the big thing for me. But, like, on that point of the McLarens being so quick off the line, you saw that that was kind of how they managed to keep their pace because coming out of turn two, you saw them just walk away from every other car and build that advantage back that all the other teams were gaining on the straights. They just walk out of those slow corners so much faster. The, the pickup on the, the McLaren in that kind of like mid, mid-speed corner out is incredible and I don't know what they've done there, but they're nailing it. I'm just so impressed with Daniel considering – the year he's had so far, um, for him to kind of put all that aside and, I don't know, just be such a professional and figure it out all, all, all so quickly. And especially when you think only seven days ago we had such disappointment uh, yep. for the Dutch Grand Prix. Yep. So, and look, Andreas Seidel said this in uh, in the post-race with, with Sky, you know, this is fantastic, but don't let's not forget that last weekend was a disaster. So we need to find a good balance going forward where power sensitive circuits like this also marry up with being able to put it all together. But 
I don't think Daniel really struggled at all with anything with this car at, at all this weekend. And Tommy oh. T, I really love your point and that traction of that McLaren getting out of the oh. corners. Out of the, the first corner, the first chicane, you could just see, oh. even with Lando and Lewis, the, the absolute dominance of that car, its ability to put that power down and to, for them to have the confidence in it. We'll talk a little bit more about Daniel uh, when we get to talking about McLaren. Let's talk about Lando though as well, because he was in the bin for a lot of the race. Uh, <laughs> it has to be said, uh, even though he asked, you know, whether or not it was good for the team oh, if he stayed in second. And he was afterwards, he was like, oh, well, you know, I've just got to ask. It's like, mate, okay, you're in second. You're not going to necessarily get past Daniel. This is the first one-two from McLaren since 2008, since Alonso and Button did it. Just settle, just calm your farm. You're going to have plenty of opportunities in the future. You're probably a world champion in the future, especially if you stay with McLaren after DR leaves in years and years and years. (laughs) Just settle. (laughs) And it's better for this storyline, is it not, Campy? Well, look, look. We've got to stay humble in victory. But when we get to Daniel Ricciardo, I can tell you what, I'm not staying humble on this one. Every other race in the future, <laughs> we will remain humble about Daniel Ricciardo and who he is. This one, it's not going to happen. Look, look, I like Lando, but as an Aussie, he's my number one enemy. He's his teammate. <laughs> it's a bit like when Danny Rick was racing Seb Vettel after yep. the Mark era. We didn't like him, not because Seb was a bad guy who didn't drive him, but he's coming up against our boys. So, therefore, right off the bat, your number one enemy. And uh, Lando's performed well. He's a good young kid. But, hey, look, he's British too. So, it's just an extra little uh, – <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find things that I don't like about Lando Norris because he's actually a really likable character. <laughs> um, and he's a great driver too. But I'm trying yeah. to find things in my own mind just to, you know, build up the uh, – sports hatred. It's not rival. real hatred. Yeah, build up, build up the rivalry that is happening. And uh, I'm calling out Jolian Palmer. That guy is an absolute tit. You know what he said on his post, on the Checkered Flag post podcast that I've written to today? Go on. He said, Lando was clearly faster than Daniel Ricciardo oh. all weekend. And it is a shame for him that he's outperformed his teammate all year and then on the one race where he could have got the win, he didn't get it and his teammate won it. You know what? That is absolute horseshit. Danny Rick didn't have DRS once this whole race. He's going through air in fresh air and punching a big hole from it. We saw in qualifying that a toe around here on your lap can get eight tenths. Did Danny Rick even falter or even come under pressure from a Red Bull, Mercedes, or Lando at any stage of this race? Absolutely not. And on the last lap, lap? on the last lap, Danny Rick got the fastest lap of the race, which means he was conserving his tyres. He was driving to a pace in the car that he know can handle. And Lando may have been quicker here and there on a lap or there. But Danny Rick is a consummate professional. He managed that gap and got a gap between him and Norris in the first uh, part of this race on the first stint of about five to six seconds. And then after the uh, after the safety car, he just managed that race and the tyres that he had all the way to the end. And he still had some left to throw at him. So don't give me this crap that Lando was <laughs> any chance. He couldn't. Oh, just <laughs> absolute bollocks. Jolian Palmer in that bin. Yeah, look, Jolian. Can I just say say quickly, I I think I've said this on the podcast before, and Lando will probably have a really bright future in F1, but at the moment you've had a couple of podiums in one car. 
The team is paying Daniel Ricciardo $22 to $25 million and they're paying you five. So if that doesn't tell me what direction that organisation is going in, you should have a good look, good hard look at yourself in the mirror. Also, Pastor Maldonado has a better racing record than you at the moment. You haven't got a win and you haven't <laughs> got a pole position. You've got a couple of lucky podiums. This year you've had three and they've been pretty good drives, but on the whole, you've done absolutely nothing. Until you can sit there and you've driven in multiple cars and got multiple podiums and multiple wins across a decade in the sport, like our boy Daniel Ricciardo, who beat Max Verstappen for two and a half years and then had absolute rubbish luck for a year with half a year um, with <laughs> breakdowns and grid penalties because of those breakdowns. This guy is a genuine superstar and he will be a world champion in the future. And unlucky for you, Lando, you're coming up against our boy. He's getting better and better and better and you are stagnant. You're not moving. Wait till Danny Rick gets this car designed around him because that's why the organisation's putting $25 mil into it. He's going to thump you next year and he's going to make you look second rate, a bit like what he did to Ocon next year. Ran over. <laughs> Oh, you look parched, Campy. I think you need you, think you need a beverage of some kind, mate. I think you do need a beverage of some kind, Campy. Got shoe prepared, hey. boys. <laughs> we will wait. We will wait until Should the I end of the podcast. Now? We'll wait for the end of the podcast, Campy, to to do that. <laughs> and a shout out to literally everyone in the YouTube live stream saying, "When is the shoey happening? When is the freeway shoey happening? <laughs> keep uh, watching. Look, keep watching to the end. That's the teaser. It's not going to be a freeway. That, not, not being cynical. You know what the vision of the weekend was for me. Go on. Danny Rick was a bit speechless, but when he got up and he stood on that car, all oh. he did was look up and just bang, bang, bang. That is it right there for me. He is back. <laughs> He's back, baby. Bring it on. Oh, <laughs> uh, you are not wrong. I uh, look, I don't want to name drop here. That's not what I mean to do. But Michael Italian, I know messaging just before, and he goes, I'm still in a haze. He's literally just woken up. I was like, go get yourself Good. a Barocca pal because you're probably going to need it. But yeah. what an absolute bloody performance. That whole team deserves it. They really, really do. All right. We will come back to how amazing this is for Ooh. us um, and also the fact that there was a double Australian podium with Valtteri Bottas being promoted <laughs> to Australian citizenship by Tommy yep. T yesterday. Uh, that's good news. But let's talk about the other storyline that we didn't really care about except for the fact that it meant that Danny's two main sort of first rivals were in the bin with each other. It's the incident, of course, between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Max has copped a three-place grid penalty uh, and Lewis has, has copped a penalty as well, but not as nearly as severe. Campy, let's start with you first because the lead-in to these two occurrences were pretty interesting, weren't they? Uh, it started with Max Verstappen's pit stop not going very well at all. Normally a sub two second, it was a sub 12 second. It was about 11 and a half seconds in the end. Uh, there was an issue with the wheel gun and a button because the FIA have made it a, a rule again or regulation to go back. To, there has to be a physical human pressing a button to say the wheel gun is okay. That's what apparently the issue was. And Lewis Hamilton had a slow stop with four seconds. Now, that leads it into the cars coming together at the same part in the track at the same time. Campy, over to you. Yeah, look, if I break the incident down, I think for me I disagree with the stewards again. I, I, I think it was a racing incident. I don't think we should have seen a penalty for it. In saying that, I think it was 
60% Max's fault, 40 Lewis's. And I just think Max could have backed out of it. He could have gone over those rumble strips like we see cars do all weekend. I think when Toto comes out and he says it was a technical foul or a professional foul, I sort of understand the thinking because for Max at the time, not that I care about what had happened previously in his headspace, I don't think drivers go out to crash into each other. He would have been supremely frustrated with that 11-second pit stop after being behind Daniel Ricciardo for the first 23 laps of that race and not being able to push him and burn his own tyres out and almost compromise his own strategy because of what was happening on track in front of him. That 11-second pit stop would have hurt him. He he knew he was in a chance to uh, to use uh, the overcut and get that work because the undercut doesn't really work here. Um, but that 11-second stop, so that speaks to a bit of his mentality going into that. I think he's a bit aggressive, but, hey, this is what Lewis and Max are going to do the whole way through. No one else can win this championship other than those two, and I think once they get together on track, they are going to – not give each other the space that they would necessarily give to other drivers. They're going to drive harder and f- closer and faster than they've ever been when they're going next to each other. And it's a win for Red Bull. They go away another round, five points clear. You know, it's a stalemate. So, Can I just interrupt talking about this? Because it's seriously still not as interesting to me as Daniel Ricciardo winning, to be oh, perfectly no, honest. Right. Pete POV in the YouTube live stream just says, give the people what they want. James and Tommy T pouring a shoey over a white-shirted campy to recreate the Zach Brown shoey. <laughs> <laughs> is that what the people want? <laughs> the, Im- the imagery is, is not so good. <laughs> it's not so good. Uh, we can make that happen. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt the flow of something that I care very little about, to be perfectly honest. But it is still important to the overall championship for the year, of course, um, we know that Daniel Ricciardo still now can win the World Drivers' Championship in 2021. Just saying, Tommy T, your whole thoughts on on that that collision, and then of course the the stewards. Um, to be honest, I don't care enough. I think it's going to keep happening. I think these guys are going to be so competitive because they're really only racing each other. There's no one else competing. We can joke about it, but there's no one else really. It's the, between the two of them. So everyone, every other driver is superfluous to this championship. So if you can get one up over your rival, you're going to do it. And if you can net neutral it and take each other out, that's also a win for Max because he's already there. I don't think his intention is to take people out. I think his intention is to give no advantage to Lewis. Um, potentially at the detriment of himself. Uh, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I think it's, it's yeah, a different mindset yeah. there of like, at all costs, take each other out. I don't think that's his mindset. His mindset is like give no advantage to Lewis in any way possible, which was Lewis getting out of that pit stop across in front of him and getting a place that Max would have to then get back. He knew that that was the opportunity for the race for Lewis to just walk away. He knew he had to make a move. Otherwise, what's the point? He was going to get second. He was going to lose his championship lead, all those kind of things. The only chance he had was to put a move where he put a move at that time. So he went for it. And to be honest, if you're a racing driver, that's literally what your job is to go for those moves, to do those things. And I think Paul Deressa made the great point. He's like, if you're a team principal, the gap was there. You would be disappointed if your driver for the championship did not go for that move and where, and go for the risk on the, on that particular opponent. So 
I can't fault it. I think Max is to blame. I think there probably wasn't enough for him that late. He'll probably disagree, but he'll have to wear it as well. I think he, I think he will. But okay, I was wrong. As long as he doesn't rack up too much penalty points to the fact that he gets a race suspension, I think he'll be okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, but again, Mercedes left points on the table this weekend, yeah, and exactly. Lewis left big points on the table. Yep. and that is the key takeaway, and that's that's why it works for Red Bull and what happened because they clearly didn't have the pace to win this race this weekend against the Mercedes if they had have had on-track position, but they come away and it's neutral. So it's one more race they don't have to worry about where it was in Mercedes' favour to gain back some points. So, Yeah, and look, to be honest, uh, it still is a nil-all event really. If both of yep. them don't finish, one hasn't really got, you know, the advantage over the other. The, the grid plays penalty – Look, I think it's still a racing incident. Even Daniel, who was so high on his own success and jubilation, the Sky guys got him just before the team um, photo and showed him the footage and he was like, oh, I don't mean to be you know, diplomatic or anything, but that just looks like a racing incident. It's like, yeah, yeah that's all it was. It, it took that much you know, time yeah. to look at it. I know the stewards have all the data and everything else, but this yeah. whole penalty thing, uh, look, Scary. I think you're just going to see Red Bull double down and go. Okay, we'll take a, a engine penalty there as yeah, well. Yeah, thank sure. you. But but a three race a three race grid penalty is the equivalent of a ten second um, penalty yeah. during the race. Yeah. So that's where if you look at the Silverstone incident between Lewis and um, and Max, they're deeming it the same way, and I, I just that's where I think it's unfair and stupid. Mm. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is what it is at this point now. There's not much we can do about it, and we go on. What it did mean, though, of course, is that Mercedes and Red Bull were left with one car in the field each, and only one of their second drivers managed to come from first to be a honorary Australian. We'll talk about Valtteri Bottas, of <laughs> course, in just a little bit. All right, lads, let's start from the back of the grid to the front of the grid uh, it was a very, very, very disappointing and massive turn of events from 2020 to 2021 for Pierre Gasly, wasn't it? Uh, very sad that he didn't even get an opportunity to start this race. And then Sonoda not finishing either with an issue with the brakes uh, for their home race, proper home race, because they're only just up the road. Uh, really, really heartaching to see because we know Gasly all weekend was on it. It was unfortunate in the sprint race that he didn't, you know, that he made contact with Daniel. It is what it is, I guess, as well. But, I mean, he has to pick himself up and carry himself forward. They've both been re-signed, by the way, for 2022. So no one's in danger. Sonoda's only surprised by that because he keeps crashing a lot, apparently. <laughs> what do you reckon, Campy? Yeah, Sonoda for me had a stinking weekend all weekend. Um I don't think he's there yet. But, hey, we need to give these young guys time in this sport. Um did I think they bring him up too early? Was there politics at play to get him that drive? Absolutely. But what I think as an organisation you can't do or you you should strive to not do is make that be a detriment to their whole F1 career by mm. bringing them in too early. You need to give him the two two years minimum to prove himself and I think that's what Red Bull's done. Um you know, they have to as an organisation because they're just burning young talent at the moment and they're just going through them super quickly. So, um, yeah, shame for Yuki, but he's, it's pretty consistent with the form we've seen. Yeah. As a Gasly, again, he's he drove really well in qualifying, got himself into some good spots after the feature race. And uh, to have it, uh, to have himself been it on the first lap 
just a real shame. Sorry, he crashed in the feature race, didn't he? He did. In that's right. Sorry. In the sprint yeah, qualifying in the spr- race, it's not in a the, race that is qualifying, but it is, it a, is race. a race. Yes. It is a race. race. Mm. Yeah, real shame for him. Um, real shame. Put himself in the right position, but hey, this is motorsport. These things happen. Yeah. Go on. And look, how fast into turn one and out of turn two when there's twenty cars trying to go into one gap side by side. You know, things happen. And look, we know he's on it in this car and he look might be very strong next year, as I said in our pre-drinks podcast. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen except for Daniel Ricciardo World Championship. Uh, Haas, Mazepin didn't finish. No surprises there. Schumacher 15th. They were fighting very hard yet again for the back of the grid. And look, understandable, right? you got to beat your teammate. There's a lot of beef between them uh, both. Schumacher has made... Uh, a couple of errors this year, and ha- we have to point this out. As much as he is, you know, the up-and-coming golden boy, I suppose, of the world of Formula One, he's still making uh, some rookie mistakes, and he's a rookie. So I guess he's allowed to get away with it, except Mazepin just throws him under the bus hardcore every time he does. <laughs> Don't you think, Cappy? Absolutely. I mean, they had that crash. I mean, Mick Schumacher had that touch with Vettel this weekend in the race. Yeah. That was a, that was just a bit too eager. Yeah. It's just youth- we'll just put that down to youthful exuberance. Well, like <laughs> for me... For me, this weekend. For me, this those summing up these two this weekend was uh, the qualifying. I can't remember the exact gaff off the top of my head, but it was sizable between. It was about six tenths from memory. Yeah. Someone will prove me wrong in the chat. Look it up. But it was sizable, <laughs> and no, I, I just remember looking at it and going, "That's sizable." Um, and that is the context. Mark of, by I the think, way, is very important quote, for a comment like can't that. Be that sizable. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, <laughs> Oh. Um, and that's what sums it up for me. Race, they're always going to be racing each other just because of the way the cars are on the track. Uh, I think yeah. Schumacher spun, spun as well going into the chicane. Um, so, again, we don't see a lot of them. Mick Schumacher is the better driver of the two for me. Mazepin did have uh, some good things to say, at least in the press conference, Tommy T. He came out and apologised to, to Mick for doing some things wrong. But there's obviously not a lot of love between these two guys no. and the majority of the world has to be said is behind Mick. But we don't really ever see a lot of their on-track act- yeah. on action to be able to be one way or the other, do we? No. We thought it was bad with uh, the previous driver lineup at Haas. This yeah. one's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. Poor Gunter. <laughs> yeah. But what, but what do you do with Gunter Steiner? Oh, he must feel like he's running daycare or something with those two. <laughs> um, with just high-powered <laughs> machines. It's just dangerous, isn't it? Um, I don't know what you do. I think he's just looking for the silver lining and he's just cashing those checks that he needs to at the moment because he's got to keep Gene Haas interested in the sport for mm. the long term. So I suppose they're going to have internal goals that they're setting for their teams. They have leveraged completely into next year. This year is a write-off. They are not developing that car. They are not giving any time other than just turning up to race weekends and doing the bare minimum. They're doing the literal P's get degrees kind of method of just turning up and seeing how they go. Um but it's a good comparable measuring stick for what Grosjean and and Magnussen were doing in that car last mm. year because we haven't seen – I mean, there's yeah. changes on the car. There is every year. But yeah. because they haven't developed it, like the measuring stick comparability from last year to this year will be good for them and they'll be able to assist the drivers from the yeah. data that they got last year to make them better for yes. next year. Yeah, and we want them to be better. You know, we don't want this yeah. significant gap from the mid-pack back to Haas now because Williams seem to be 
scoring points pretty consistently. Yeah. Um, yeah, we wanted them up towards the front, which is good considering half the Ferrari team now works for Haas. Maybe they'll just be as equally as average. Uh, let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Uh, Kubica, 14th. Giovinazzi, 13th. Jeez, he's not having a good couple of days at his oh, home mate. race. Uh, the contact, of course, was Charles. It spun him around. It, caught, it was the first bit of massive jeopardy for Daniel Ricciardo that had me very, very sweaty, it had to be said. Yep. Tommy T, how sweaty were you? Uh, I was stressed the whole time, yeah. to be honest, that whole race. But <laughs> particularly then, so, yeah, Giovinazzi kind of, Jumped that second chicane um, and then re-entered kind of dangerously where, yeah, was it Sainz or was it, I think, yeah, it was Sainz, wasn't it? It wasn't Leclerc. Um, just kind of gave him a bit of a tap and spun him off. But then he also got a penalty just for good measure, which just doubled down on his head, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but yeah. considering that, he did well. Um, and also, like, good on Robert to be in yeah. front of some cars. For, yeah. And he he had a bit of an off at one stage, I'm pretty sure as well. Yeah, he did have um, a yep. So, yeah, pretty outstanding considering he's been thrown into that car like we've been saying for the last two weeks. Um, just just a legend, Robert. Um, but, but, yeah, Alpha will be okay. I think they would have hoped to get some points at their home race. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't seem to be that's, that way, did it? That's two weeks in a row for an Italian Jesus where he's qualified in the top ten and had an incident like one. So. Yeah. Mm. He would be frustrated because I don't think the car is capable of scoring points out of ninth and tenth position, yep. particularly when they're saying, you know, Russell get ninth and get a point as well or tenth or whatever he got. That is frustrating for a guy like Antonio Giovinazzi when he's trying to cement his place for next year because he's not contracted. Um, and getting the qualifying that he needs to get into positions into the best position possible for him to score a couple of points mm. and to have incidents on lap one, Two weeks in a row, that would be very frustrating for And the team too. Yeah, and I mean, now that there's very obvious talk about he's not necessarily going to be in that seat for next year, he has literally everything to prove. And up until these two incidents over the weekend, like his start was great. And for the sprint qualifying race qualifying that wasn't a race qualifying sprint, he did very well there too up until, yeah. you know, a couple of other points as well. So, look. I think Giovinazzi has really come a long way and the Alpha has come a long way. And I think Kimi's been a big part of that journey as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the 2022 car looks like and if he retains his seat or not. I'm not convinced one way or another if he necessarily has deserved to. It still makes me angry that someone like Lance Stroll and Nikita Mazepin can be on the grid and Oscar Piastri doesn't have any options really at the moment. But Mm. that is the way of the sport, I suppose, and especially with budget caps coming downrange. Okay, let's talk about uh, Williams because, as I mentioned, George Russell scoring points. Heaps of uh, people saying, no one mentioned George scoring points. No one cares. Mate, They're going. he's okay. going to Mercedes. No, one, this this is put it in the bin now. We don't even, okay, no one's interested. And he got lucky, he, he got lucky because of the yellow car too. Yeah. And safety car. I'm, so I'm that's how we jump Latifi on track. Yep. yep. Latifi, I think, did a great job all weekend. He was just unfortunate in positioning with the safety car. Uh, which meant he didn't have that opportunity. But he was driving a good race. He was giving uh, Bottas a little bit of stick for a little bit of the time. And, you know, Valtteri was in a much faster car on mm. uh, better better tyres. So yeah. good on you, think, Nick Latifi. I don't think Latifi had a, as good a strategy as um, Russell as well. But to be honest, if Russell can't score a point with five people DNF, like what the hell are we talking about? This guy's got top seat now. You better score points, mate. Like, jeez. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly Given. right. But also, we, as we spoke about in the pre-drinks podcast, Tommy T, Jos Capito and Dalton Capital are really driving this team, to use that pun, to a Whoa. better place. So he should be. And Latifi should the be summer? there. You know, they should be around in that 10th position, grading one point and driving off into the summer. <laughs> very happy with themselves uh, on, along the way. And shout out to you if you said uh, driving off into the summer for Daniel Ricciardo last night in the Discord. We saw it. Very, very good. Very good from you. Very good. Uh, very Aston good. Martin. Look, Poor as we said, said Vettel just not having a good time and even even harder that it was Schumacher that caused the incident. And then he's coming up on Ocon and Ocon dips him off the road Ugh. as well. No good at all. I can't remember uh, who it was in the Discord said, who hasn't hit Vettel tonight? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bloody hell. Seb seems to be allergic guy. to Monza. Uh, it's just oh, no good. Mate. Remember last yeah. year where he just continued straight on after, what is turn one? I'm going to take this the, bit. <laughs> the Italians haven't been very good to Seb over his career, have they? No. <laughs> well, it was a good start for him in 2008 when Toro Rosso, you know, and then that was it. He used it all up in one uh, <laughs> in one year. Mm. Uh, shame. But Lance Stroll, we didn't really see anything of him and he was in seventh. I'm not sure he necessarily deserved it, did he, Cappy? Just stayed out of the way. Well, I mean, he got got in front of both uh, both Alpines and finished behind Sainz, so that's as good as a job you would expect for Aston Martin to do on a track where their car really was a bit off the pace from the Ferraris and McLarens, where they want to be fighting this weekend. Mm. Uh, they were better than the Alpines, but uh, pretty close. Those two are pretty comparable on this track. Um, it's not to say that it'll change in Russia in two weeks' time, but, yeah, Seb just had a frustrating day. It's just, look... Sometimes it's your day, sometimes it's your not. Just in the wrong it's, spot, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, motorsport, and he'd be frustrated, be hanging his head. Uh, Stroll was, again, he hasn't done anything for me this year. I called him a one in four or five race driver, but we haven't seen that from him at all. <laughs> one in year. 20 at this point. Well, yeah. well, but this is the first year he hasn't got like a pole position or driven up the front and shown glimpses yeah, of what just, we've been doing. Yeah. It's because they were too interested in the lawsuit trying to make the car better at the beginning of the year than rather than actually just trying to make the car better at the beginning of the year. That's what happens when you copy copy your car (laughs) and then you come into it you come into the following year and that car's not as good as on the grid and you're not as good as the Mercedes organization. So good riddance. We all want the best grid on the car. Worked for you last year, but not this year. I did enjoy also Usain Bolt on the grid saying very openly that yes, he was here with Aston Martin, but he was actually a Lewis Hamilton fan. So mate, good. you got to show some love to the team that brought you along. That's love the that. uh, etiquette 101. Come on, mate. But you can just imagine. You, who's the guy that won the gold that they did uh, in the 100 metres in the Olympics just gone, the Italian guy? What's his name? Yes, it's that person that, that I don't remember you either. Can, you can just imagine you saying, Bob, going, I'm still faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Let's go oh, race in the car park now, pal. Yeah. yeah, there was some cringy photos done at the beginning of the grid with him really in the Vin way Diesel. of the formation lap. It's like, can you, sorry, can you get off the grid? Like the what F1 officials, Vin the FIA officials are like, don't care about your photos, guys. Can you get like, you're literally holding up the team ready to go. Uh, Alpine, Fernando Alonso in eights. I am still so bloody happy that Fernando Alonso is in Formula One for this yep, year yep. and for next. Tommy T. We should put ourselves half in the bin because we weren't that happy about it last year. But yeah. it's let's just think, it's coming let's to fruition. Think back to what we were saying, we were just going. I don't know if he's got it. I don't think. I don't know what we thought was going to happen. Really, I, th- I suppose we thought he was past it, and he was just going to be grumpy old Fernando. But he hasn't been grumpy at all. He's been a delight. If anything, he's been one of the the characters that we like to see. Um, I think 
and we kind of talked about it earlier in the season that he's just kind of resolved himself and what he is now in motorsport. He's done a lot of great things. He's kind of just happy to be there and just enjoying every kind of race for what it is rather than kind of being that hyper competitor that's out to like take names every single race. He's just mm. enjoying every moment and just doing the best he can. I think it's it's really enjoyable for us as well because mm. he's getting results. And, I mean, Ocon's doing okay, but, yeah, Fernando's still, still elite. Yeah, and look, I mean – Ocon's win in Hungary was good for Alpine as a team, but it was purely just luck. You know, he was at the right place at the right time because he qualified terribly. He was right at the very back of the grid. And, yep. you know, Seb's position was equal in, in that respect. Whereas Fernando, we saw the defending that he was doing there in Hungary, oh. the defending that he was doing pretty much in every single other track since, uh, especially this weekend too. It's just good to see. And he is genuine. Uh, and what you see is what you get with Fernando, especially at the moment. And I love that about him. It's it's really nice to see. Uh, Ocon in 10th. Yeah, look, not a great, real great result for him, but still both in the points at Alpine, which is important for their mid-midfield battle for the championship. Campy, isn't it? <clears throat> Yeah, it is. I think uh, this isn't an Alpine track. Uh, they've showed glimpses of pace at times uh, this year, like we saw last year, but this track wasn't really them. For them to get double points to finish, good for the organisation. But it also, I mean, if Lewis and Max are still in the car, it's a different story. They're outside of the points or Fernando's getting one and they would be frustrated. Um, they're probably a bit like McLaren. It was a disaster last weekend, but they got it this weekend. Yeah. You know. Alpine are in the same boat, although not as frequently. Um, consistent points for them is what they have to get and they have to be beating Aston Martin every weekend and they want to be fighting with the Ferraris and McLarens when they can. Uh, it's just it's going to come down to track specifics for me and characteristics which will for them to be on the pace. Next year they need to be a much more well-rounded car and get some consistency from week in, week out. Uh, in their pecking order on the grid. so Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting. And, and certainly for Alpine too, Campy, in terms of what we've got coming up, of course we've got Russia and then Turkey and then Coda. Do you think a, a, a higher-powered circuit like Coda is going to suit the Alpines more in that instance? Well, this is this is a high like, – Monza is a, a, a power-sensitive track. Mm. In saying that, you don't have as much downforce strapped onto the car at Monza as you do at these other power sensitive tracks. And I don't they're 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 quicker at a a, a They've got some genuine pace where it's a bit slow, it's not power sensitive, it's more it's more about your downforce levels. Uh, that's where that car excels. So I think moving into these We'll probably see them where they've been in that, you know, six to tenth position fighting for. And depending on what happens in the race, uh, um, that's where they'll end up. So I, I, I would think love above that, it'll be happening. I'd love to see Alonso on a podium this year, is kind of where I'm oh. just thinking. Like, if something happens and something can ock on his way through to the front, that would just be Chef's Kiss for Formula One, a Danny Rick win, and, a, and of course, Danny Ricciardo World Championship for 2021 and 2022, and a Fernando podium. And 23. And 23. All the and way to 2030. 5, 6, 7, 28. Jeez, he's going to be racing till he's committee's age, and we're here for it. Uh, that's all right, but he'll have a better uh, record than Lewis Hamilton by the end of his career, and that's what we want. <laughs> yes. Oh, geez, I can't. Don't, don't tease me with thing. thoughts like that, Ken. <laughs> Red Bull. 
Well, we spoke a little bit about Max, didn't we? Uh, but let's talk about Sergio Perez because he he just seemed frustrated as all hell this weekend, let's be honest. He uh, got squeezed a couple of times to go over those sausage curbs, which does not look comfortable in a road car, in a Prado, let alone in a Formula One car where you'd feel absolutely everything. Uh, I think, well, let's get your thoughts actually on this, Campy. The, the grid... The issue was, sorry, with the placing with Charles after he got squeezed and then he ended up getting a five-second penalty for, which ultimately saw him cross the line in third but finish in fifth. Do you think that was fair enough? Because looking back on it, Charles did not really leave him a lot of room and if he, did, if he didn't back out of it, then he would have collided like we saw with Lewis and Max. Look, he definitely, I think the issue was he gained an advantage by committing to that cutting the curb early. If it had been another metre later, it would have been a different story. Mm. I just think his intention was to cut the curb too early and I think I think he may have made his mind up when he'd hit the first apex what he was going to do because he knew he was going to get squeezed out and he fought in front. Normally when this happens, the team gets straight on the radio to the race director and the race director either says, I'll give it back, that's not fair or not. And they didn't reply to them, but then it was five laps later in which the penalty came, which is too late if you race mm. control. Yeah. By that stage, I think it was Valtteri had passed Leclerc and that's why they had to give uh, the penalty. He couldn't give it back to him. Whereas in hindsight, we've all got PhDs in it, if he had <laughs> given it straight back, probably would have probably would have got Leclerc on the next uh, the next lap and then had a genuine chance at the, uh, at the McLaren. But... Unlucky for him, I just think he committed to it too early and that was that was probably issue. But did Leclerc give him enough room? No, but mm. that's what happens at these high-speed chicanes that we, you know, particularly the first one and then that second one, we saw, saw it all weekend. Mm. What did you mm. think, Tommy? I think, like, Checo's got this erratic kind of style sometimes that kind of puts him in these situations. He didn't have to get that move done that second, I don't think. He still had many more laps. Um, he, he probably could have yielded a bit earlier into that and, and known he didn't have the move done. I suppose, like, again, we've got that doctorate that Campy just mentioned, but <laughs> it's it's frustrating when you are now the, the last car there, consolidate your points, don't do anything dumb, because then he wasn't in the position to walk away with a five-second gap from the people from behind him. So he, he, he'd, he'd done his dash, whereas if he had to just, I don't know, been a bit more – relaxed about it. I don't know. It's it's and can I just can I just say going into that corner, he had he had got his whole car past Leclerc, but he got on the brakes way too early and Leclerc came back up his inside off after he'd already made the um sorry after 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 Perez has already got a you know the gap on him, he could have moved across. Leclerc went deep under brakes and brake later than him, which compromised Perez's run into the corner as well. And I think that's ultimately why. Um, I mean, Perez should have braked a lot later, and he should have been a hell of a lot more um, offensive in that driving position when he had track position going into that corner. So, yeah, well, and look, at the end of the day, it's yet again not another great performance for Sergio Perez, and. He can't really afford to keep doing this, can he? I mean, he's signed for next year, as we know, Campy, and you've said again in the pre-drinks podcast that 
potentially they may move too early Red Bull in in doing that. But he he just didn't look his normal self in the press conferences either. He just looked really grumpy. Mm. Let's hope he can have a good week, move on. Um, but the team, the team used him in qualifying too to yes. give Max the toe. And they did it perfectly, but it, that, that halted Perez's – you know, his chance of getting high up the grid and being able to get a good result for the team. But that team is fully focused on Max Verstappen and they'll use him, They'll use Perez as a pawn whenever they can. Tell you what, the Red Bull didn't even look like it had a rear wing this weekend. It was so, so small, uh, but it still didn't help Max Verstappen at all chasing down Danny Ricciardo. Let's not forget that it was by 30 laps or so, Danny Rick managed to hold off Max Verstappen and... We know that tyre degradation, of course, is an issue. When you follow closely, you get overheating and a range of different things. But Max Verstappen is one of the best, if not the best in the business at overtaking. So for Daniel to hold him up, I mean, it just shows the strength, doesn't it, Campy, of the McLaren for this weekend. But for Max to do what he did in the uh, sprint race, to to put it on pole effectively, well, after for Bottas, he pulled it out of the back because he found time yep. in that car over the, the course of P2 because uh, P1, they were miserable pace, really off it completely yep. on Friday and for qualifying yep. and to pull it off. So I still think Max is probably going to walk away with a championship at some point this year. Uh, I think Russia has always been pretty good to Valtteri Bottas. So if Bottas takes that again, which I would love, can I just say? Yes, please. Uh, that'd be good. But yep. Yep. Do you think Max can still carry this momentum? Because he was obviously very, very angry, wasn't he, at the end of of that uh, incident? Yeah, absolutely. Of course he was angry. But he's got the world championship in mind. So it's a tough one for him because he's a racer at heart and he's a purist. He doesn't want to win off track and he doesn't want to win by crashing. But he did everything right this weekend on a weekend where he probably shouldn't have. Yep. If it had it gone the way that everyone thought after qualifying, then Mercedes had the pace to walk away with this considerably over a race distance. But for Max, he'd be walking away going, hey, I beat my competitor in the sprint race after I qualified uh, behind him. Hey, I started on the front row. He had a good luck because, you know, the other Mercedes uh, got a, uh, got an engine penalty. So he would be frustrated he didn't get the win because he had the chance. All he had to do was get the start and he would have driven off into the sun, <laughs> not the sunset. Um, <laughs> you know, he would have driven off. And frustrating for yeah. him, but in the whole scheme of the championship, I still think that Lewis and Mercedes will win it, but if Mercedes keep leaving points on the table in races like this, that's why Max will win this championship. Yeah. Well, Valtteri Bottas did the perfect drive for Mercedes as the second noted second driver for the team. I called it too. You did I call said, it. I said fourth or fifth, they're not bloody podium. <laughs> My man. But it was interesting to me because both after the incident and, of course, Sky F1 can't help themselves, who's at fault, Toto? Who was at fault? Tell me, tell me, Christian, who was at fault? Well, they uh, both went, we're going to let the stewards decide, which is the first time all great. year that both of them went, we can actually see kind of both sides to this, a uh, bit of a racing incident. There's a bit of conversation as well about Max not checking on Lewis. Lewis's car was moving backwards when Max was out, like he was trying to reverse out from underneath yeah. the car. I think he was pretty much, A, he was angry, of course, but B, the car was moving. Do you want to go Relax. near it? He's angry. 
you know what? You're going to do a full George Russell and yeet his helmet? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> anyway, that's just a side note that I think is neither here nor there. That's what Stewart. Uh, that's what sorry Marshalls are for. Let's talk yep. about Ferrari because Charles Leclerc finishing in fourth and Carlos Sainz in sixth, uh, inheriting uh, Charles Leclerc that fourth position because of. Perez's five-second penalty, which means he was hanging on the gearbox of Valtteri Bottas. Uh, he drove very well, considering he had an engine-breaking issue on Saturday. Sunday, uh, he he did pulled out one of the best drives, I think, of his career, noting just how sort of nowhere that car was. And it's almost carried yep. over Tommy T, wasn't it, from the Dutch Grand Prix because Carlos Sainz was kind of in no man's land too. I'm, I'm kind of always impressed, really, with how they just like – they get the most out of those cars on Sundays. Like they might not have everything lined up. They're in weird positions. And then consistently you'll see a Leclerc or a Sainz kind of poodling around in their own space in fourth. All of a sudden you're like, how are you How are you clear of like the mid-pack and then behind the leaders just racing your own race? Um, it wasn't that this week, but just very impressed considering what a shambles they had to start the week. Um, not what you want uh, with your home crowd there. Um, especially with the crowd we saw, it was it was incredible to see. Like we thought, um, Zambort was incredible. Like this was mm. just the, the the grid was packed this time, which was bizarre to see so many people wandering around. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be happy with that. I think it's kind of the best they could hope for. And Camby kind of mentioned this in the the pre drinks is they've stopped designing a car specifically for this track, which is yes. a good thing for Ferrari. Yes. So it's it's a small loss, but I think it's it's a it's a net win overall. What do you think, Kevin? They'll be frustrated. They'll be frustrated because after the safety car, Leclerc was in P2, mm-hmm. got lucky, jumped a few guys. But for him to drop back in that manner, particularly when we saw with the McLarens and how hard it was for the Mercedes and the uh, Ferraris to um, – you know, to, sorry, the Mercedes and the Red Bulls to pass those McLarens. Ferrari, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc will be pretty pissed off that they had P2 uh, and they had track position over these cars, but they got past so easily. Um, but then again, did they have the pace? Not really. I would. I actually thought Leclerc had gone to get second after the after mm. the pit stop. I didn't think their pace deficit was that bad, considering what we'd seen earlier in the race. I mean, that, the two, both Ferrari, Sainz and Leclerc, were able to hold on to that uh, Max. Oh, sorry, the Lewis Hamilton Lando Norris train uh, towards the end of the stint. So I just thought they had the pace. Yeah, they could they could match it, but. Well, be I'm a bit sad that we don't see a yeah. lot of Carlos signs at the moment because obviously it was a great result for him, P2, last year in a McLaren at Monza. Uh, and, look, I think he'd be punching the air, wouldn't he, that he didn't get a P1 in McLaren first and or at least get P1 in Ferrari uh, since coming across to McLaren. But such a nice guy. Mm. Um, yeah, look, let's hope that it come, it sort of turns around for him but for both of them, both of them are keeping yeah. their heads down and working really hard. Like I don't think there's a, a real negative thing to say about Ferrari this year, which is in complete contrast I know. to Where's Wally's shenanigans from last year. For sure. No. Maybe they've been listening to us though. Of course they are. Yeah, Everyone's listening definitely. to us. Hello, everyone. It's nice to, <laughs> nice to see you all. All three of our fans from They're reading your website, Campy. Yeah. <laughs> What's my website? thomasjcamp.com.au forward slash read my website. <laughs> Does that actually exist or yeah. I'm scared and I want to look? Uh, I bought the domain name. I haven't done anything with it yet. Uh, I think it'll be the quote of something about the size that Four, it matters yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> just have all your merch on it. <laughs> yeah, and just an image Sizable. of us pouring a shoey over you, it's, which yeah. is terrifying. It's, that's a horror. Well, the shoey's coming. The shoey's coming. Uh, Mercedes. In about five minutes. 
Okay, let's talk about Hamilton first before before we talk about the Australian. Uh, it just just couldn't get past Lando, which again is maybe credit to Lando as well. But in terms of the pace, we know Mercedes Tommy T isn't very good at following behind other cars today. Yep. No exception. No, and it's like what we what we talked about. That McLaren walked away out of those chicanes. It just had that next level of acceleration. So the Mercedes was catching them down the straights. Late braking was getting really close, and then they thought they were going to be close enough to pass the next lap, and then the McLaren would just build that gap again out of every turn. Um, it would have been insanely frustrating for Mercedes because they're like, I'm, I'm right there, and then all of a sudden through like a different sector of, of the lap, they're just walking away. So, yeah, uh, imp- impressed with Lando's defense, to be honest. Um, I didn't think he would be able to keep Hamilton behind as long as he did, um, which was definitely helpful to um, – to Daniel's victory. Okay, Camby, anything to say about Lewis? Not really. Okay, let's talk he about the Australian. He doesn't. He sorry. I do. Lewis. I don't remember the last time Lewis doesn't make bad starts like this. But there's always that one race a year where he, you know, he bins it, and just hope for him that it's that race this year where he didn't get a great start and got got absolutely engulfed uh, by the rest of the field in that sprint race, which ultimately cost him his whole weekend. So, anyway, Valtteri, Valtteri the a, Australian. What a draw. The Australian who hasn't ever done a shoey. He got away with it again. Coward. And he said, no, shoeys aren't for me. Danny goes, Is he really Australian? Mate, you're dating an Australian. You have to do it. He was like, <laughs> no. no, I'm good. No, I'm good. So that was that was very, his, very funny. His missus would do it. Yeah, his missus would be like, come on, mate. So what no, are you Tiffany doing? Cromwell. Yeah, Tiffany Cromwell. Yeah, what are you definitely. doing? You yeah. got to we got to rep South Australia here somewhere. There's hardly anyone from South yeah. Australia that watches Formula One. Uh, and my dad does. Stiff. If it's stiff, it's oh stiff. yes, shout out to your dad. Shout <laughs> yeah, out. To he's probably watching right now. Uh, most of the South Australians, after they lost the Grand Prix to Melbourne, stopped watching um, <laughs> and and watched Port lose. Probably, I don't know. Uh, but in turn, it. And then Dan Andrews got elected, <laughs> and uh, everyone moved back to South Australia. <laughs> the Grand Prix, yeah. right there. Grand Prix's going <laughs> Shout back out to my it. parents doing that as well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, for Valtteri Bottas, last to third drive, I think. I mean, obviously Danny Rick drive of the yeah. race, but very, yeah. very close second drive of the race of Valtteri Bottas. After he whacked on those mediums. And he had blistering pace. Even bloody oh. Dave Munnis, who still hasn't been taken out of my bin, and you know that's serious, he was saying, no, nah, Valtteri's going to get past uh, Daniel and, and win. Um, so that's you're, you're not going to come out for a while. Like he's yeah. just because he's Irish. He's look-alike. It's Irish. He's got no faith in him. They get promised the world and it never happens oh, for him. Good. <laughs> no wonder he's cynical. Good. Love that. Uh, but really, though, Great drive. And, look, at the end of the day, he didn't need to get past Perez to to have that third position. So he just played a conservative there. But when he punched in the fastest lap around, you know, lap 38, I think it was, with those new mediums on, it was Oof. like, oh, boy. Uh, and if you haven't yeah. seen uh, the timing chart, and shout-out to George in the Discord posted a little bit earlier today, the uh, the dark red of the fastest laps of the race and purple being the fastest, but that one dark red square in the – the mix of yellow boxes by uh, Valtteri, which has put everyone on edge. Of course, the mediums dropped off a little bit because he was following yeah. other cars, but whatnot. But tell you what, very, very Huge. good. Uh, good to and see. even even Toto managed to get on the radio and said, you know, drive of the day. And then Valtteri's race engineer goes, of the of the weekend, of the weekend, drive of the weekend. Toto's like, yeah, sorry, of the weekend. Yeah, drive of the weekend. So, come on, Toto, show him a bit of love. 
please, the guy did an epic job. What do you think, Cappy? Oh, look, I just felt sorry for the dude. Oh, Danny Rick won, so I couldn't care less. But um, for him and where he's at, you know, he put it together this weekend. Carl was great, got pole position, beat his teammate in qualifying, got the start on the sprint race. And then to take that grid penalty just didn't seem right. Um, in saying that, you know what, if he had got Perez when he passed him and then locked up into that into that second chicane, I think he may have had a crack at Lando and Danny Rick, um, considering, like, looking at the pace we had. But that, for me, like, this race sums up Valtteri's career at Mercedes. Yep. You know, when when it should happen for him when he's on and when it's working, it doesn't. Yep. And that move that he made on Perez and locked up late into the corner, that, again, sums it up for me. I mean, if he had a mate, like... If he, that's the only mistake he made all weekend, locking up yep. and losing that spot to Perez. I know he got it back because Perez got a um, got a penalty, but yeah, that for me is where Valtteri's at. He nailed it, it. It's frustrating. Na- Some of it's not his fault, but then he does these little things mm-hmm. like that and it just jeopardises yeah. everything that could have been moving forward. But yeah. I love him. I think he'll win. I hope he wins Russia. Yeah, so, yeah me too. In his, in his post-race, his quote was, I was the fastest in qualifying. I won the sprint. I went last to third. What more do you ask? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. the guys, like, how do you fault that? And he had it with a frigging grid penalty. Like, yeah. He got yeah. a podium after getting put at the bloody back. Like, outstanding from him. Um, yeah, but Mercedes did that to get Lewis in front yeah. of him. Yeah. Second favourite moment of the race for me, lads, was on the podium or on in the little Park Fermi area where they do the, the post-race interviews and uh, David Coulthard's there and he says, what do you think of the uh, clash between Max and Lewis? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're playing it on the screen behind you. He turns around, looks at the screen, looks at what happens, looks back is like <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson's smug face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's it go. Oh, no, a thing has happened. What a shame. Oh, anyway, wow. yeah, but just that was that was great and nice to see him on the podium. There was a lot of love with with VB and the two McLaren boys as well. Let's talk about McLaren, okay? Again, because of course we bloody have to. Uh, did Danny Ricciardo come first? Yes, he bloody did. Yes, and Landon Norris second. Still cannot believe oh. that in 2021 we have seen not only Daniel Ricciardo getting a win, of which Campy we have oh. to say you did predict. You did. On, I think on the pre drinks, that was far you fetched. said it was first, yep. and it happened today. But mate. to have Lando Norris in second and Zach Brown on a podium doing oh. a shoey was just like this. It's Christmas, over, and because it was an hour and forty-five minutes of absolute stress, wasn't it, Tommy oh. T? Of just absolutely going it was a puddle. <sighs> As we said on the Discord, most people in the last, the last last six laps or so were like, oh, the microwave seems very interesting at this point. Ah, oh, I didn't realise my carpet looked like that under this light and just trying to yeah. not look at the television because it was so yeah. stressful for oh. that to happen. And then for Zach shouting, and if you heard the beginning of the podcast in the audio that we captured between Danny uh, and Tom Stallard, he turned 43 on Saturday, so that was a good birthday present for him too. You can just hear Zach in the background losing his mind with joy. McLaren's back, baby, and 2022, you better bloody watch yourself because we've got the New Zealand team, effectively, with an Australian driver (laughs) who's going to Oceania you all the way through to bloody world championships. I like it. Yep. We'll get an Aussie win if we get the JP too, I think. Yeah. Come on. It's very good. But Campy... Andreas Seidel, and there needs to be a massive shout-out to him because he's built this yep. team. You know, Zach has given – obviously, Zach put in Andreas and really pushed to get 
Uh, we know Daniel, of course. Carlos has has played a significant part in this as well, let's not forget. Yep. Uh, and Lando yep. too. As I said at the beginning, he's partly in the bin, he's partly out because it was just really <laughs> nice to see, you know, we're doing it for, so we said, we're doing it for Zach. We, we have to be happy that Lando is second for Zach. But Andreas has done most of this work to get the team to where it is today. Yeah, I think I, th- I think Andreas is a bit like a COO, Chief Operations Officer, right? He makes it the day-to-day technology gains that they make, implements it throughout their teams and their structures and gets it into the car to make them faster. But as for Zach Brown, he does the culture, right? Oh. And, and Zach Brown sets the vision and, and, and demands a certain level of uh, excellence for that organisation. And uh, I think both of them hand-in-hand hand is a magic – Magic pairing, and it's and you know it's great to see. Remember the yesteryear of McLaren with um, uh, what's that dickhead's name? <laughs> Ron Dennis. That, <laughs> Dennis. Like that guy was an ab- he was good at what he did, but at, like that was a flop. He was an absolute flog and turned that in, that organisation into something that uh, you didn't want to celebrate as an F one fan. And uh, oh, Zach. Zach Brown has picked it up and he is just taking it on the up and up and up. And we knew it was going to happen. He's got this trajectory um, for the team and they're hitting all their marks. They're doing exactly what they want them to do. Now, next year, they need to have a world winning, uh, a world championship winning car, race one on the grid and go toe-to-toe with Mercedes and Red Bull, there'll always be a drop-off. Will Mercedes drop off and maybe Ferrari will get it together. But, I, I, yeah, just as an organisation, I really like what both of them are doing. Yeah, uh, Tommy T, uh, obviously, I mean, Zach is is amazing. Let's not forget, lads, too, that Danny Rick now gets to drive Dale Earnhardt's number three Chevrolet because he has won that yeah. bet. Uh, Zach yeah, Brown um, afterwards uh, on the Sky stage, was talking to the, the boys and he said, you know how I like to cut deals. I cut a deal with Daniel Ricciardo, of course, to to have that and he gets to drive the car. And I also cut a deal for our first win uh, with Andreas. Would you like to hear it? They said, yeah. He's like, the deal was Andreas can do all the work, get the team into the position, get the first victory, <laughs> and I get to be the one to go up <laughs> on the podium and get the trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Legend. Ah, Zach Brown. Love it. It just... This whole McLaren thing, it's the culture, it's the vibe, it's its everything. Uh, yeah. it, it makes me incredibly, incredibly happy as and I know. Sh- stupid, stupid people who were saying that Daniel should have stayed at Red Bull or stayed at Renault, where are you now? This, this is exactly yeah. the culture yeah. we were talking about. We could see this building. We loved Zach for so long and we saw that there was key pillars like Andreas Seidel and all the other people around doing great things at McLaren and they were putting all the energy into the right spots knowing that this was what was on offer for Daniel. Looks like a masterstroke now, doesn't it? Two years off at Renault and then off to McLaren, halfway through your first season there and you've got a bloody win. Outstanding. Yeah. And they've had their, you know, Zach's had his eye on Daniel Ricciardo, yep. you know, since 2016, been actively trying to get him. Uh, he didn't do it in 2017. He went to Renault, but imagine if he had gone to McLaren instead of the Renault and then had this third year. Oh. I mean, it could have done major things, but hey, look, this year, that's why they paid Danny Rick. They're paying him to win races, and he's the future of this team. Yep. Is Lando capable of it? Yes, of course he's capable, but he hasn't done it yet. Danny Rick, can, like over his career, has consistently put cars. Uh, on the podium where they really should and get wins where they really haven't been the dominant mm. car. 
Um, they've always been the third best car on the grid at the times. Um, and he's spanked a couple of world champions while doing it. So, hey, Danny Rick, my boy. I love that Tommy T and I can look at each other in the video and when you say <laughs> car on the grid, think to ourselves in unanimous thought, single mind thought bubble, grid on, grid the, on the car. Grid on the car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every, everyone does it now. Can't help it. So good. much merch. Right. You're designing so much merch. I know. Now, before we get to out. the very end of the show, which we, we will get to, Campy, just hang on a little bit. Let's. Jeez, I'm let's talking. Talk. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm stunning. Let's been talk. an hour and let's ten Let's talk about beer. a fantasy league. And and thanks to everyone who changed their names over the weekend. As I said, you can join our F1 Fantasy League. The link is in the description below if you're watching or listening to this podcast. Uh, we don't care about where you've come. What I do is scroll through the entire list and find the best names of the weekend. And uh, the first goes to my mate Alex Baxter, sandbagging SOB. I loved that Daniel said that in the press co- conference straight afterwards to David Coulthard. Yeah, I'm just a sandbagging SOB. I've had it here for ages. I just wanted to win in Monza. <laughs> Damn straight. He never left. Jonathan C. Uh, shooey, shooey, shooey. Oi, oi, oi. Haley H. Ricardo, lovely feathers and beak. David L. Yes, we didn't mention this in your little broadcast review, Tommy T. But no. Is Ted okay? Because he know. was very weird. Even for his notebook was very weird. I don't know. He's he's drinking whatever croft he's drinking, to be honest, because it's just <laughs> not going well, is it? He's no. a bit all over the shop. He's scatterbrained. Yes. Uh, RIP anyone who used Mega Driver on Max, Michael S. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Uh, Zach for President, David M. And Campy's Waste Basket, Nikita A. Uh, well, lads, for us, here's where we sit. I am 55th and doing terribly. Campy, unfortunately... Unfortunately for you, Tommy T has taken the lead. He yes. is currently twenty third, and Campy, oh, you are twenty ninth. But it- you know what? I can I can guarantee you that this week I'm getting on. I'm going to change my team. I'm going to change my turbo drive color signs, and I'm going to mega drive. I'm going to actually use my mega drive. Oh, on Valtteri Bottas. There's yeah. the there's the hint. No, I'll use it on someone. Yeah. All right. Well, lads, I, I tell you what, this has been an incredible, incredible experience. The last, honestly, 20 hours yes. or so, I have been loving this. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I encourage you to watch the very end of the YouTube session because in front of our very eyes, Tommy T and yes. I get to watch Thomas J. Camp smash a shoey. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Ricardo, race winner. McLaren back on top. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas <laughs> You bloody legend. Absolutely smashing a shoey. Oh, it's all over my computer. <laughs> and on that significant, bloody, amazing result in every single way, thank you so much for watching. Please consider subscribing and rating and reviewing it. We'll see you so soon for the Russian Grand Prix. Lads, amazing, amazing well. stuff. See you soon. done that better oh, oh that's great oh my Jim, gosh you need to cut oh. that up and put it in oh. <laughs> make that a social media breakout oh <laughs> oh dude i've got sand in my mouth oh that was that was beyond that was the best thing i think i've ever seen that is our best podcast to date
Lads, yeah. my goodness, <laughs> what a joy today has been. And to, can't be finishing off like that. You just did it to me. <laughs> oh, you got it. Mate, got, got to do it. the team. I love that. that was, just, it was just the fountain at the end of just. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely I was going to do the big spit, but I was like, oh, I'm going to <laughs> It's all over the microphone, too. <laughs> oh. Ah, well. oh, you're gone. Love that. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Good work, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.